Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Bring new instrumentals, vocals, musicals every single week on Three Honest Lads. Can you feel it, Mike? Can you feel it? Playoff fever, four teams remain. Devin Kerr, Michael Watts, Three Honest Lads, one dream, a lot of problems. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm great. You know, I I actually was planning to sing to, to start this podcast. But sadly, you beat me to the punch. So maybe next next time, next year. Should, should we start over and you just do it? I can go quiet. No, for a couple no, of no, 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 no. It, it's already yeah. happened. Moment in history. It's done. How you feeling? Feeling good? Feeling great? Some crazy, uh, some crazy games over the weekend. Yeah, no kidding. And some crazy games ahead. This is. Um, I, you know, we've had crazier single games over the course of, of the postseason, obviously, in years past. I, I don't know yep. that we've had the front-to-back quality over over a playoff stretch over the over my time in the league. This may actually be the best quality playoff experience we've had over the last five years. So in that yeah. sense, pretty impressive. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. I think top to bottom, it's everybody's sort of shown themselves. Um, in, in a really good light, by the way. And, and I think that the teams that are remaining are, are really getting to the point of where they need to be. I think you have teams like Louisville who, you know, kind of like every other year, they're just firing all, on all cylinders, playing their best ball. Of course, there's always more steps to be taken there. But then you have teams like Tampa Bay Rowdies who are gaining some momentum, quality victory over the battery. Same thing for El Paso Locomotive. Phoenix finally getting back into things, looking good in the second half and extra time against Reno. So some really cool storylines. I would also say this, Mike, to venture a step further. I would probably say, outside of historical statistics for teams, it's probably, at least in my opinion, kind of what you talked about, the first time where you can't definitively go, oh, that team's going to win, right? Yeah. Uh, this is – I usually get the semifinals and I go, boy, howdy, I don't know anymore. I, I, I think <laughs> Louisville, Red Bull 2 in 18, I felt that was – Probably a pretty clear one. Um, last year, I, I didn't have a strong feeling on either game. If anything, I, I would call that a toss-up year. I, I really, I, I would say I have a stronger feeling in the West this year than the East. I think the East is a borderline toss-up to me. That's pretty unique. Did I lose you? No. Okay. I would Sorry. never Sorry. leave you. Just making sure. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Um, how do we want to start this today? Do we just want to go game by game? Yeah. Let's just rip through them with exceeding excitement and pace. Okay. I'm going to get ready for this. Okay. I think I'm going to do it backwards, Mike. Be honest. Are you cool with that? I don't speak okay big to... Latin. Crisscross, I miss the bus. I miss the bus. Were you a... Do you know what crisscross is? You're a little young for that. Yeah, no. 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 Uh, this podcast okay. is moving at a very slow pace, and it makes sense that we're going backwards. All right, perfect. We're going to start in the Western Conference. Let's see things up. El Paso Locomotive hosting New Mexico United. One and two in Group C. Dylan Maris gets it started in the 30th minute. Hell of a strike, by the way. Romeo parks in the 95th. Still can't believe nobody stepped to him. They parked the bus for the final few minutes. You could see. You could see Mark Lowry trying to make the changes, trying to do substitutions to kill the game off. It doesn't happen. Nothing happens in extra time, by the way. So just skip over that 30 minutes. I'll give you that much. But you go to penalties. Efficient is the word that comes to mind watching El Paso Locomotive from the spot, both in the regular season and postseason. You want to know what I'm talking about? Watch the conference finals on the weekend, and we'll give you a heads up. Five for five for El Paso Locomotive. Romeo Parks 
missed the fourth. This tells Zola makes the fifth. They move on. Phoenix Rising at Reno 1868. The matchup that everybody thought was going to be the crowning of Reno, finally getting to a conference final, finally getting the number one seed, never happened. Corey Herzog got him started in the sixth minute on an absolute desperation play by Zach Lubin. And what I mean desperation, it was poor. And that's putting it kindly. He admitted his wrongdoings. I think he atoned for his sins later on in the match. We'll get to it. Partida in the 40th minute. They go up 2-0. Okay, the coasts are going to coast? No, not going to happen. Lambert, 45 plus 2. Little deflection, sticks it in. Solomon Asante in the 71st minute. We go to extra time. Phoenix gained a lot of momentum here in the second half. We will talk about that. They go to penalties. Four for four. Aiden Apodaca is saved by Zach Lubin. Roof at Dadashoff sticks it in the back of the net. Phoenix arriving, move on to face El Paso Locomotive in the Western Conference Final. Phoenix will host the Western Conference Final. Let's keep going. Tampa Bay Rowdies. Mike, we will get to the game and specifically what you said, so I'm just going to run through it. But hats off to you, my friend. one nothing. Hard-fought victory. This was a bruiser. They beat each other up. Really impressed with how the Rowdies played, especially to kill the game off, how it went on. Think that they took a massive step towards becoming a conference champion. There's still a long way to go. But the lone goal by Lucky M. Kassan in the 79th minute, back-to-back games, that man gets your winner. Lou City, by the way, will host the Tampa Bay Rowdies in the Eastern Conference Final. Stop me if you've heard that hosting thing before, because it's happened before, but, you know, whatever. We'll get to that again. Blue City 2-0. Don't necessarily think the issue was ever in doubt outside of the opening 25 minutes. Wallfall missed a penalty in the 12th minute after Tyler Blackwood is taken down by Sean Tosh. He has shown the card. Wallfall has shown the door by Ben Lute, who ties a playoff record 10 saves in the game. Lancaster in the 18th. There would be an own goal in the 83rd. Blue City 2-0. Mike, I want to start in the Western Conference, because we usually start in the East and then move on. I want to start in the West. I want to start with Phoenix Rising at Reno. Reno go out 2-0. They grab one back Phoenix Rising just before halftime. Second half was all Phoenix. To be fair, I think they might have been able to win it in regulation. I think 2-2 was still fair. They win it from the spot. Thoughts, my friend. Tell me. Yeah, for one, I I thought Reno was the best team in the Western Conference, especially late in the year. I I thought that this was, was their year. I really did. Um, the goal by Lambert was a bit of a, a scramble in the moment. Those are the moments in a playoff game that, that can get you mentally back in. If they go into halftime at 0-2, I don't know that, that Phoenix pulls this out. And, and part of the reason is to, to grab two or three goals in a half, even when you're playing at your best, when there is a, a strong defense on the opposite side that you get in the postseason, is a big ask no matter how well you play. And Phoenix certainly outplayed them in the second half. I do think that the drop-off of losing the Golden Boot winner for the season is noticeable. Yep. I do think getting the coach back is going to be significant. All that said, Phoenix proved that they deserved it to move on. And, and credit to them, that, that was a gutty performance. So I'm with you on that. Um it's interesting. Like, I think people think we go, like, super deep into our pickums. by the way, when I think we just pick on what, what form should be, and people really get into us. And Yo, us up, huh? <laughs> here we go. I'm just going to say this. The pick'em for this week, I get an email on Sunday while I'm calling a soccer match on ESPNU. Yeah. I do not get to that email until Monday afternoon. I get another email saying, hey, Mike, we, we, we didn't get your picks. I am yeah. literally flying into Atlanta airport and I am tapping out on my phone who I think is going to win. And it's also who's going to score the first goal. I'm like, mm, yeah. Dadashov? Yeah, I'll go uh-huh. Dadashov. My, my, myself? 
<laughs> I, you know, I, no, I'm just sort of like, I, I, I don't know. So, you know, like two years ago when I led and pick them for like 85% of the season, I was like, wow, you're really on your picks this year. I'm like, yeah, I've, I'm just sort of like tapping out the first try code that comes to mind. There's no master plan. So I made my first pick em. Do you know this story, by the way, when I made my first pick em? Oh, no, I know. <laughs> Do I share it? Back not? then, it was a celebrity guest picker, and Devin was that celebrity. Oh, my God. I did it in the back of a freaking limo bus at my bachelor party. Six sheets to the wind. Devin was somewhat inebriated and yeah. a former former lad, may or may yeah. not have been equally, <laughs> if not more so, inebriated. So, anyway. And, Devin, did you go perfect? I missed one. I missed one. And you know what I missed? <laughs> I missed one, and it was so funny. I think I actually picked for some reason. I think I actually Oh, you, you tried to switch it. <laughs> yeah, and I tried to switch it, and I couldn't do it. Oh, my God. Go figure. Speaking of which, I actually did that with a battery earlier this year, and I got myself in trouble. But anyways, we'll get to that. Um, so I think people are going at us, and I'm like, look, I, I'm in the same boat. Like, I, I go by – I a lot, for me, it's primarily eye test. And and I go by what I've seen, what I've looked at. So I actually picked Phoenix in my pick 'em. And and I in in that situation I picked them because they don't lose at home. It's the Western Conference final. It's it's the momentum they gained in the second half. It's for me it's also Solomon Asante. I did switch my pick though when I went to El Paso. That's because of form in the overall play. Ooh. Now I'm gonna talk we'll talk about that matchup in a minute. But I want to talk about with Reno. I agree with you on everything you said about Phoenix. My big thing is is in the absence of junior Fleming. Someone else has actually stepped in, and it's not Santi Moar. And when I say the name, people are going to go, you're crazy. Well, I'm about to back it up with numbers, because outside of an eye test, I can read a little bit, and I can read between the lines. Solomon Asante. Solomon Asante, you're looking at a guy who had the double-double in 2018. Could argue that he finished in the top five for the MVP voting. Of course, Manu Ledesma went off. Um, that was Cameron Lancaster's goal-scoring year. So he was probably third or fourth. Last year... He gets the MVP, he gets the golden boot, he gets the assist record. All three. Pretty fantastic. Okay? I'm correct on that one, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm correct on that one. Um, Pretty fantastic season. This year, having another spectacular year. The problem for Solomon Asante, Phoenix Rising fans, is that in 2018, 2019, and 2020, come the end of the year, we are seeing a very, very, very scary trend. What is that trend? He disappears. And I'll give it to you to the tune of this. In 2018, he didn't score a single goal in the final five matches. He only scored one in the final nine, if you include playoffs. In 2019, didn't score a single goal in his final six matches. He went 0 for 8, if you include the postseason. In 2020, this year, he was 0 for 8 come postseason. Your star player, MVP, had one goal in the final 25 matches of the season. That's a problem, but it's a problem no more, because he's created a great relationship with Santi Moar. He scored in back-to-back games. He is looking much better than he has been. They're going to need a lot more out of him, I'll tell you that much. But I think that right there, for me, is the key thing, Mike. Yeah, agreed. And I'll say this. There's something about a lack of of desperation. Both those teams are phenomenal this year on penalties. I understand Asante's issues with it the year prior. I know he didn't take one during the shootout against El Paso or or, um, against Reno. But... Believe you me, the later and later this goes, now the five subs help, obviously. The later this digs benefit El Paso, obviously, not only on the road, but their style of play, and also sort of their inability to convert at the rate that they expect. 
but also I don't think either team is uncomfortable taking this the distance. No, I think stick last stick year, if you're Phoenix, you're genuinely uncomfortable going the distance. Yeah, and stick with me on this one. I mean, why, we might as well just do the preview right now, right, since we're on yeah, it. Screw it. Okay. Right. Say, say, say it like you mean it. <laughs> Bleep. Say it with your chest. Bleep. <laughs> say it with your chest. Oh, you I can't, I can't go the route I was just going to say. Um, so I think this is interesting. In, in terms of going the distance, yeah, I, I think they're deep. I am concerned a little bit overall with how deep or lack thereof, El Paso is, they're beat up, man, and beat up with big names. I was actually looking at it, and I'm like, okay, so Omar's hurt, um, Chiro's hurt, Andrew's hurt. You're kind of walking through all this, and I'm like, well, then you, you know, Lodoxy Bassetti's no longer there. Myos Lomas obviously went back to North Carolina FC. You know, there's you're looking like five, six players deep that are no longer there. They're they're basically at 18 right now. Like, they're yeah. at 18 players, and so they, they can't really afford it. However, I get it. I think the quality is there for sure. I think it's interesting to me that when it comes to the penalty takers, when you look at who they've used, um, regular season makes sense. It's Fleming, Vaccaro twice, Asante, and Dadashov. In postseason, obviously there's the sample size for Phoenix is smaller, but you use Joey Farrell, Corey Whelan, Joey Kalistri, Darnell King, Rufat Dadashov. Four defenders and a striker. Same thing for FC Tulsa, or excuse me, FC Tulsa. That's a little, a little Freudian slip looking at it. Um, Similar thing, I should say, for El Paso Locomotive. The difference is, is they actually rotated so many players that, especially in the New Mexico game, Mark Lowry at the tail end of it, you know, he was trying to kill off the game. That's not his fault by any means. He didn't expect there to be a game winner. But you look at right. Nick Ross, who comes on, a defensive midfielder. Brian Rebellion, who's moved into attacking midfielder position, but defender by trade. Richie Ryan, who plays the six. Side Robinson is basically your out-and-out attacker. That was what went on in FC Tulsa. Remember, they didn't need a fifth taker because... They obviously had two saves, fantastic saves. Because Logan Catterer is a beast. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah. You know he saves, like, regular season and postseason? He's close to, like, 45% from the spot. So he was 5 of 11 coming in, and I think he's stopped now 4 of 9. 3 of 9. 3 of 9? I mean... Pretty solid. All you have to do is 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 make yours. Most he will get you saves, one or two. Most penalty saves in the league since 2018. He's only played in the league two years. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Incredible. Um, so, and then so from the spot against New Mexico United, they used their outside left back, Borelli. Um, again, Nick Ross substitute, Richie Ryan, Said Robinson, and Ditelzola. So, again, you go a lot of defenders. I think that's an interesting little look because you don't necessarily always see that. I'd be curious to see how that plays out, given if there is, in fact, um, the ability to go to penalties, number one, and number two, if those subs don't have to be made. So, if you're no... Salman Asante didn't take a pen. So-and-so didn't take a pen. If you don't have to pull those guys off, I wonder how they work it because every single player who took a penalty for Phoenix during the regular season, they never made it to the actual spot in, in, in postseason play. Same thing for El Paso because um, Josue Aron Gomez is the one who takes them primarily, and that's not going to happen mm-hmm. either. So just, just a yeah. little thought. And, and as I think about previewing this game, and I, I don't think age alone is decisive. Obviously, either direction. We've seen young teams win this. We've seen experienced teams win this. El Paso is the oldest roster in the league. Yep. By about half a year. They've been there and done that. You know, they've got three 35-year-olds starting, all of whom have played at a very high level. Liga Mekki, uh playing, in, in the case of Richie Ryan, in the Scottish Premiership, the Dude, he's First got a, Division he's got Ireland. Ch- he's got a championship title with Sunderland. Regardless right. of the fact that he made a handful of appearances, he qualified to get that medal. 
by the river where they used to build the boats, of course. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but can't, but can't but, he do it on a hot day in El Paso? Yeah, right. <laughs> or Phoenix. Um, or Phoenix. I, I don't, I, the thing is, El Paso's not going to be rattled by this moment. So no. many times you're worried that a team, you know, I thought Real Monarchs last year, are they going to be rattled by this moment? And clearly they had the wherewithal and the metal to get where they wanted to go. And some of those young players, I mean, you know, Ochoa, Ochoa's got a maturity to him. He's got an edge, but he's got a maturity. And you look at guys like Noah Powder who had been there and done that despite a young age and being thrust into that moment, perhaps surprisingly. And, so there, there's an element of it, it, it's not that alone, but one thing I can guarantee is that El Paso is not going to go there and deviate heavily from what they do. It's Definitely death not. by a thousand paper cuts. They've gone yep. to that diamond. They're going to have to work their asses off, no question, yep. to deal um, with, with Phoenix, especially in wide areas. If they do that effectively and do it man-to-man, as opposed to having to heavily shift side-to-side, uh, I think they could cause Phoenix some, some genuine problems. But if, if guys like Asante, to your point, continue to play at the level they have and win 1v1 matchups, I think it could be a real long day for El Paso. I don't mean I think they're going to get blown out, but it, it's going to be white-knuckling for potentially yep. a significant portion of that game. Yep, and I think that, for me, it looks like um, it looks like a couple things, without going into too in-depth, because obviously we need to, we're need we going to talk about it on the broadcast, but... Oh, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, forget it. We're going to be on all three of these games. Forget it. And by three, I mean, obviously, the next two on the weekend, ESPN Plus, and the final, ESPN. Um, So I think that the with Mark Lowry, he calls it a 4-4-2 diamond, but he gets so much freedom. And and we talked a little bit about this on his call with him. I brought it up to him that he gives so much freedom to Dylan Maris that it's it's almost a 4-3-3 at times. And where you've got your your two wingers, if you will, on the diamond. Right now it's it's Rebellion and um crap, who played on the other side the other night? That's not good off the top of my head. I know Nick Ross came in, I can't remember. Anyway, um it's they they pinch so much and the midfield rotates so much one way that the way that Phoenix spreads it out, that scares me a little bit if you're El Paso locomotive, because you have to keep your head on so much of a swivel. You know, you have to be careful that you don't let Phoenix overutilize that outlet of the midfield because they'll go the other way real quick. Chapa, by the way. Chapa Herrera. My apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, on the same token, Dylan Maris has carte blanche to do whatever he wants. And he will give this back line and the rotation with Leandro Carrillo and Josue Aaron Gomez. They are going to run that back line rampant for Phoenix Rising. So, I think what it comes down to for me is El Paso Locomotive, they will hold the ball a lot. They will try and make Phoenix chase. They are not a very efficient team. Even their manager admits that. I don't know how many opportunities they're exactly going to get, but regardless, they have to be efficient because Phoenix is going to send 15, 20 shots to your goal. How many hit net? You know what I mean? And I think El Paso really are well aware of that. 41 is the all-time record for shots in a USL championship playoff game. I'm not saying this will reach that number. Would not be surprised if this match has 30 to 35 shots. Yep. Yeah, I'm it, 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 it's a game that could stretch really quickly. And what's funny about you talking about Maris getting that freedom is I think a guy like Richie Ryan adequately anchors that midfield enough that it allows yep. a guy like Maris to do that. Yeah, I'm also he, he not is the perfect bottom tip of a diamond. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you on that. My only concern is I'm not interested in a tr- if I'm El Paso, I'm not interested in a track meet. With, no, you can't win that. With, you can't win it, and especially with your your two backs of 
Jerome and right now Yuma Monsalva is like, I'm not interested in basically having two midfielders who are out of position, Richie Ryan chasing with Yuma. Like, that's not a good look. So if they can hold their formation, I think they'll be fine. Let's move to the, um, let's move to the other match. Of, of course, we talked about Phoenix at Reno. Um, we talked about the matchup with El Paso. Do you have any thoughts, concerns about how the New Mexico United game played out? I, I think, look, I, when I go back and look at it, El Paso Locomotive was the better team. I actually thought they played pretty well. New Mexico United, they were there, but they weren't the better team by any means. It just came down to me like El Paso won. It's simple. Like, if, if this would have been a different scoreline in penalties, I wouldn't have been massively surprised. I would have been like, okay, you know, United hung around. El Paso didn't put them away. You know, they, they hit the post a couple times. I just think at the end of the day, for me, in this situation, on this game, the better team won. Yeah, precisely. And, and the problem if you're El Paso at this stage is, is it, it, it is efficiency in front of goal. And at the beginning of 2019, Kisavetter was on fire and they were banging home goals like crazy, but they weren't creating as many chances, not as many box entries, so on and so forth. And they've obviously changed systems and they've moved on from a handful of their most significant attacking pieces from a year ago. But that in mind, you go and get Juarez's all-time leading goal scorer, you know, in July, um, coming out of the out of the restart, so you've got that going for you. It, the the funny thing to me was I would have bet any amount of money that that game was going to be a draw. Like it, 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 it could not have epitomized. I, I, I say draw or one nil. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, I, no, one hundred percent. That was always going to be a draw. Those teams are so well matched for one another. The Parks goal was well taken, but to your point, he shouldn't have that much space with one minute remaining in stoppage time. No, and um, 10 people in front of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason. I, I understand you don't want to get pulled out and, and leave more space, but, like, Romeo Parks has scored those goals before. A lot. He's scored a lot of those goals before in Pittsburgh and elsewhere. So I, I, I'm not surprised. I agree with the overarching sentiment, I think, on the El Paso contingent that they're creating more than they ever have in the grand scheme. Um and also, it's their second straight Western Conference final. At no point during the year did I think we all sit here say El Paso would repeat getting back to the to the conference final. I don't think we were counting them out, but I don't think they were a favorite. I think they they slipped under the consciousness of the majority of people. But good good for El Paso as a city and a, an organization and a team, and they've gritted it out. And the funny thing to me is is they go and get um, Moses McKinday. They go and get um, Maca King, they go and grab Borelli and Carrillo, and all those, I think, went under the radar in the grand scheme. I, I don't think we all really went, oh, those are big signings. All four of them are starting. Enormous. And, and, and McKinday rather a backup right now. So three starters out of that deal due to injury and, and, and form and performance. So, hey, kudos to El Paso. They deserve it. Yep. Um, again, we'll go more in depth. You can join us this weekend. Um, I don't want to take everybody's time right now. Uh, I'm with you on that one. Um, as mentioned, Phoenix Rising hosting El Paso Locomotive, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, ESPN+. Plus. You want to know what time that is in your um, time zone? Look it up. You know I don't do math. Read a book. Yeah, read a book, exactly. For those who can't read, learn Braille. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Charleston Battery at the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Michael, let you take the lead on this one. Uh, Charleston Battery lose 1-0. Lucky M. Kassana, 79th minute from Zach Steinberger. 
Yeah, that is the eighth goal of 10 scored for the Rowdies by Lucky M. Kosana that he has scored off the bench. The only time he scored as a starter was a brace. Uh, it, it, yeah, how about that? Um, Tampa Bay, it, I actually picked them in this game in part because I think it's so difficult to win four times against anybody. I think it's extremely difficult to win in St. Petersburg. Um, in the end, yeah, M. Kosana comes off the bench and wins it. You'd have a, a, a better tactical eye for what we actually saw. So I said last episode that I would be shocked if the Rowdies won. And the reason I said I would be shocked, floored, was because of their lack of identity in the midfield. And I say that respectfully because there's a lot of really talented players. Just don't ever think, and I'm not the only one saying this, by the way, multiple coaches around the league are saying it as well, that you know that the back line is going to defend, you know how they're going to defend. You know what you're going to get at a Guanzati Tejada. And of course, whether it's Leo Fernandez, now Lekowiecki, because Fernandez is coming back from injury. If it's Sebastian Delgard, of course... Prior to that, it was Mustafa Dembouya over there. Malik Johnson gets into it. Mm -hmm. You know what all of those pieces are. This midfield has been looking for an identity the entire 2020 year. I referenced Andrew Tenari, his departure in 2019. They had never, even when he came back from injury, they had never really established the tip of that triangle in midfield when they play in a 3-5-2. They'd gone flat and pushed another player up. Needless to say, they have settled on recently Steinberger, Ekra, and Doherty. Basically an inverted triangle where Doherty is playing as the six and what would normally look like a 4-3-3, but, you know, moving into a 3-5-2, that midfield three of theirs has gotten better each game, but they were still lacking in identity because the rotation was off here and there. And I think that's part of the learning curve of saying, you know what, we think this is our best look and we're going to go with it. They finally got a full match performance out of their midfield three, and that is why they won. They did not allow Zico Lewis to invert himself and come inside. When he did, he got shut down. Robbie Crawford, Angelo Kelly, these guys like to dance on the ball, two of the most efficient midfielders in the entire game. They pressured them the entire match. That doesn't necessarily mean they employed a press. That was intermittent, but it was calculated. You could see that they would step here and there. Gwenzadi Tejada were fantastic. I thought the subs were timed perfect by Neil Collins. If you watch them come off the bench in the past two matches, it's almost been exactly the same moves. Everybody knows what has been asked of them. They are going to need this performance and a bit more because I think they're, if they can put this performance together against Blue City, I think they got a shot. But if they can step it up to another notch, I have no problem with the Rowdies going and getting results. I still think Blue City are the favorite in the matchup. I still think the midfield is my weakest point for the Rowdies. But if you look at what they were able to do against, in my opinion, and we talked about it last game, or last pod, the Charleston Battery, the third best team overall in the Eastern Conference, I think this is the best result all season long for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And man, could it not have come at a better time. Yeah, and I think Akron and Steinberger playing together up there actually makes a lot of sense. I, I don't think, I think for a long time the Rowdies have felt that Akra was underrated in the grander scheme, and they felt, and, and I know this, that he was due for a long time. I, I want to say it was the Union 2 game in St. Pete where he finally got on the scoreboard, but, it, you know, there was sort of a an, an overarching feeling that he was due to bang in a goal or two along the way as well, although that's really not what you anticipate from either. Steinberger has a little bit more of a goal-scoring streak over the course of his career. Ish. It, it, to me, ish. I, I think he had yeah. eight goals in a season in NASL at one point, but truthfully, the, the attack from that group, 
doesn't really come out of those those two. And that's what makes yeah. the, the matchup with Louisville so interesting to me is Dalgard is among the league leaders in crosses put in. Um, obviously, if I think if Leo Fernandez plays from the jump, that's going to be enormous. And that's not meant as a slight at Lackawacky. It's that Fernandez is among the most electric players yeah, in the league in the wide area. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so all that, I think, only serves to make guys like Tejada and Guanzotti more valuable when, when that, that wide play is at that level. So that comes to mind yep. as well as they yep. look forward off that performance. Well, and understand the evolution I'm talking about as the season has gone on. You know, they tried to bring Adam Najim in. I think that experiment yeah. didn't necessarily go the way they wanted to. I mean, he didn't even make the 18 last game, of course. No, it didn't but take. I, I, I was on the call for the Battery-Rowdies game back on September 11th, and I can remember watching it, and it was almost as if Neil Collins was trying to scramble to find an equation to the point where, and, and you talked about how Ecker and Steinberger are better look. Jordan Doherty was almost playing as a 10. You know, he was pushing himself up, and that's not the look that they want. I think they have finally found an identity. Now it comes down to execution. You know, I Here's think a lot what's of unfair are, yeah. about about that, though, is you're you're probably talking about the 11th or 12th game of the year. Now they oh, started of off of unbeaten, and everyone. Uh, it, 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 what's funny to me about Tampa Bay is that they start gangbusters every year. They always seem to have that lengthy unbeaten streak. Right now, they're always near the top of the league, and everyone goes, "Oh, it's all good." When things falter for a minute, everyone goes, oh no, they're falling apart. They, they, when you're 10 games in, you're, you're still tinkering. I mean, in, in past years, great teams have, have tinkered around that time and, and found their next year. It is possible that around that time, while Neil is scrambling to find the right answer, he, he found that next year. It, it's elusive. I think any manager will tell you that. It, finding the, the right 11 that you can put out every week is extremely elusive, but I think they found it. Yeah, don't disagree with you. And, and obviously, if it's not COVID, if it's not 2020, if it's not a condensed season of 16 games, we're not even having this conversation because the conversation no. is probably going to be, it's probably going to be, hey, uh, Rowdy's starting to find some form here. Nice to see them. You know, they started strong. Everybody else kind of caught up a little bit. They slacked off, but they're finding an identity. They're getting better. I, I think this team can make a run of things if they continue to take steps. We don't have that luxury because uh, of the way that the season is. Indy 11 can answer that question for us. Look how that happened. You know what I mean? So the dip, I'm just saying, it's not a knock on them. I'm just saying, like, like the Rowdies, look, it's the same token. Think about Indy 11 down the stretch. The last five, six games, they started to slack off. Though the Rowdies started to slack off as well, they still were trying to tinker with their equation. Indy never changed. Indy never changed the look that they were at, which is why the Tampa Bay Rowdies are still here and Indy 11 in his home. That's not a knock on Martin. That's not a knock on Indy 11. That's just the way that things played out. Louisville City hosting St. Louis FC. I think a lot of people were looking for a bit more dramatics. You only really got that in the opening 25 minutes. Um, a lot of energy in, the, in this match. Mike, you and I were on the call. I think we can both agree that the atmosphere was electric. It, it was hyped up for sure. Quality start by both teams. It was back and forth. I might even give the edge a little bit to St. Louis FC. There's the breakthrough. Fantastic drop in by Kyle Gregg. Flicks it on for Tyler Blackwood. He gets taken down. Wall fall. <laughs> I, I relayed to our producer. I told him exactly where he was going. Unfortunately, Ben Lute had done his research as well. Ben Lute makes the save. Lancaster scores in the 18th minute. From there, I honestly, man, I just, I wasn't, wasn't very impressed with St. Louis. 
and I think they could have done better. I think Louisville just shut them down. Yeah, it, that was one really good chance. Uh, Albert Dequa broke through for another. But there was a moment there around the 80th minute where you were like, okay, you know, St. Louis might have something here. And even, look, man, the offside call uh, on the first disallow goal, I, I, I definitely disagree. Yeah. I mean, it's just 100%. wrong. They got that uh, You know, it, absolutely. Here's the thing. Everyone, I think, in St. Louis is is um, frustrated and rightfully so. Please don't think there was anybody who didn't want to see St. Louis earn a, a shot to keep going. You know, of course. It, 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 I think some people are going, oh, see, you know, they, they're trying to shut us down early. That's most definitely not it. There was a player in an offside position. That player was uninvolved in the play. If you're an AR yeah. looking down the line at 20 bodies, it can be very difficult to parse that out. I want to give benefit of the doubt to the official. I think there was a second goal where you made the point no one's arguing. I still don't think it was. I, I'm still questioning whether or not that was offside as well. So that could have changed the game. The own goal, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, it's an own goal in, in technical terms. It was a save where the ball still went over the line. There was just too much English on it. So, you yeah. know, Bone has a go, and it takes the air out of that game. My overarching thought is um, there were still some of the giveaways that Louisville isn't going to end up being happy about. Um, yep. I think um, that ultimately that front three right now looks as good as any I've seen. How many minutes can you get out of Cameron Lancaster as we go forward? Get the whole week off. Question to you. Yep. That that's 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 going to be the question, man. This is a guy who has lived the soft tissue injury lifestyle for the last you know ten years of his life since he he fell in and out of Tottenham. So he he we were told he had a groin injury. We reported that during the game. It was just a bit of a, a tightness thing. He went as far as he could in the opening game of the postseason against Pittsburgh. He, he ultimately 60, 60, doesn't go the like distance again. We were shocked. So. Yeah, 65 minutes to show against Pittsburgh. He went 76 against St. Louis. So I think if, if he can give you 76 there, this week, I'm good with that. Um, and and the own goal, um, and I'm thinking about the Corbin Bone goal against uh, Pittsburgh, rather. The own goal against um, uh, in, in the conference semifinal against St. Louis, obviously an own goal, but Luke Spencer may as well have just committed a foul in that instance. I, I wasn't entirely sure about that. I think he looked a little surprised, too, that they let that go. So. Um, the final thought on that game is, man, I f***ing feel terrible for St. Louis. Those fans are f***ing awesome. They came out. It was, I felt equally pulled to the emotion of that moment as Louisville going to their sixth straight final. And I think that's an incredible commentary on what Tritt, Pat Barry, um, and, and the team in St. Louis. Shout out Tyler Tatslav. I love you, bro. You're great. Um, man, Jeremy Allers, the fans, man. Yeah, it sucks, dude. It, 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 dude, it fucking sucks. Look, I, I think that, and I'm with you on every single thing you said, and I think people sometimes, Mike, and, and I'm not, I'm not making excuses for you or I by any means, but I think people sometimes think that the way that games are being called on air, sometimes there's momentum. Of course, we're giving both teams their fair due, but you and I, and I'm not saying other people don't either. I'm just using us as an example because we're on the pod and this is our platform. You and I have so much emotionally invested with these coaches and these organizations and players. And it's like, 
we can't play favorites, man. It's so hard. Like, we love Steve Trichu. It doesn't matter if he was just coming on for an interview, if we were doing games and, and talking to him while he was at Colorado Springs, uh, or, or when, of course, when he came to St. Louis FC. We love Trit. We love Bob Lilly. Like, we hate to see these teams step out, yet alone in the manner in which it was for St. Louis FC. I think the key thing here is that, and we talked about it a little bit on air, all of these players, for the most part, were in such good form, or, or at least in pretty good form, coming into the postseason, coming into that match, and performed in a manner that at the end of the day, that is still an audition for a job that if you take a look at 2020, everything that they went through, you could argue that the variables they faced, and it's an argument, but the variables that they faced were a bit more extreme than other organizations, and they stepped up to the plate, and, and they should take their heads up, hold them high, and recognize what a fantastic job that they did. And come 2021, I think there's going to be jobs waiting for all those young men. I I don't know that there's any guy who played more than 400 minutes. I mean, like, you know, there are academy guys, you know, okay. But pretty much every guy who played any significant minutes for that team will be employed next year. I guarantee that. Yep. Guaranteed. Okay. So, so we've uh, done recaps done previews let me let me quickly just say and i know i'm driving you nuts with all the interjections in You're terms good. of um the pick'em this week yep. let me put this very simply for the second consecutive year tampa bay on the last day of the season had a chance to guarantee that they would host this game against louisville in both instances it didn't go their way if yep. this game was in tampa if it were in st pete i i probably would have picked the rowdies I, yeah, I think home field advantage does carry weight. Dude, I'll take and, it a step and, further. What if, it, what if the Charleston Battery played a 16th game? They could have won the group. Rowdies are on the road. Right. They might not even be in this situation. So. Right. All I'm saying Never. is, is in my mind, I have to have a overwhelming belief in the yep. roadside, in an underdog, even if it's by a slim margin and they didn't get a chance to play this year and the groups are all f***ed up, I need to have an overwhelming sense for me to pick against the team that's at home, that's the favorite, that's gone to three straight finals. I don't feel overwhelmed that Tampa Bay is going to win this game. Do I give them a, a, a decent chance? Absolutely. Especially if Leo starts. Absolutely. And M. Kosana's got a little chip on his shoulder right now. He's, he's, so let's not forget the Hope and O, um, M. Kosana trade that, Sort yep. of put both these teams in position to continue to play the way they wanted to play. So all I'm saying, I didn't feel overwhelmed by Tampa Bay, but I would love to drink that. What was it? Scandinavian Iron soda? The Iron Brew. Where's it from? Oh, I believe it's Scottish. No. Oh, not even Scandinavian. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, we, sure. if, if Tampa Bay gets through, there will be a three honest lads post of us testing this soda. Oh, yeah. And it may or may not be influenced by other materials. Um, I will say this. <laughs> I will say this, and I'm with you on that. Um, I wonder in what is the biggest test of their organization come USL Championship time. And you kind of you kind of remarked on it on if they can get it done on the road. A team that historically, prior to Neil Collins taking over, struggled. I mean, under under Stu Campbell, I think they had like it was something nuts. Like they averaged in three, the USL point nine points per game. Before Neil, 1.9 with Neil on the road, and and a big and a, a lot of that is their away turnaround. So think about this: in 2018, they went four, ten, and three. The difference is is three of those wins came by way of Neil Collins. Okay, he got all the so so put it this way: four, ten, and three. That's 17 games. 
He was in charge on the road out of those 17 games. He was in charge for 11 of them. He got results out of eight. Excuse me, out of six. He got three wins and three draws. Okay, so it, it took a step after the departure. Last year, again, you play 17. This time you get 12. They got eight wins and four draws. 2020, there is only two losses on the road. So it is getting better every single step. The coup de grace would be them taking Louisville down on the road, of course. But let's see how that plays out. I'm curious your take on this. Given the, as Kingston starts to weigh in his opinion in the background, given the momentum that Phoenix Rising gained, I think sort of a us-against-the-world type thing. They win their first-round match. They then, of course, take down um, Reno in, in playoffs. Wow, a little brain fart there. They take down Reno in the playoffs. More importantly, they gain a lot of momentum. Solomon Asante scores. Now you get Rick Shantz back. My key question to you is, one, will Rick be the coach on the sideline on the weekend? Number two, do you think that gives them the boost? I would assume, given the press release that they put out, is... Yes, that he's available immediately, so why wouldn't he come back? He's quite vocally put in the work. <sighs> I am not in the LGBTQ community. I am a, yep. a very vocal, uh, hopefully, advocate for that community. Um, the fact Colin Martin um, put words to this about second chances, I think, underscores how I feel. I cannot make anybody feel any kind of way about Rick Schantz, Junior Flemings, when's the right time for a second chance, whether you can forgive, that is so far outside my scope. I, everyone is going to have their own process with this. I'm glad that Colin Martin is taking the high road, that he wants to see a continued progression in sport, and he said, you know, it's good to see Rick get back. With that in mind, the person who was directly affected by the incident, and there are others who were affected by it from a distance, but, but the one who actually was involved in the incident, I, I, I think it's a, a boost for the team. Um, having Rick back and in, to some extent taking some of the vitriol around the situation away, hopefully this begins a, a healing. Um, Kudos to Phoenix for relinquishing the, the right to host the final. I know it's crushing for fans. You were down two goals at the half. We just found out that with seconds to go in stoppage time in a playoff game against the top team in the West, you were able to go on the road and come back from a two-goal deficit. I'm not saying it was impossible. The, the, the moment called for more, and the organization, which is probably more than any organization um, in the league in past years, perhaps, in terms of my knowledge of, of the group behind the social media and um, beyond, care about issues like this, stood up alongside the, the stand that San Diego took. I think they wanted to give the points back in the beginning. FIFA wouldn't allow it. You are allowed to relinquish the right to host, even if you do not relinquish the points themselves. That's why I think we got this far down the road. I think this played out as a process, perhaps a bit too publicly, but this was the, the, the road it needed to take, and I wish it had taken the road a little bit sooner, but now at least there's some closure to this. And hopefully I, I, I put that in the way I, I wanted to put it. 
Yeah, I think that's really well said. I, w- I would like to add one thing to what you remarked upon because you said that, you know, you, you're not in that community. You do your best to represent it. I, I will admit that you are extremely vocal and, and I admire you for everything that you put in. I will say the same thing that I am not in the community. I have a lot of friends that are. I have mm-hmm. been in situations that we're not going to get into where my friends have been in front of me verbally degraded and that has ended up in physical altercations. Not a good thing by me, but I was defending my friends and the community. I will say this, and I'm not just talking about this situation. I think if if people have learned anything in 2020, take this, live and learn, forgive, don't forget. Redemption can be a process that doesn't necessarily have to be accepted, but it can be appreciated. And I think that's what you see out of Colin Martin, where Colin is respectfully choosing to go a certain route where you can call it the high road, you can call it whatever you want. Colin's a good person. I've heard that from a lot of people. I, I've never met him as a person. I've only interviewed him for games. So that being said, everybody makes mistakes, Mike. Nobody's f***ing perfect. And if you think you are, God, get on Mount Olympus and get the f*** out of my life. And I don't mean that from a negative sense. I'm just saying everybody makes mistakes in one way, shape, or form, whether it's male, female, LGBTQ, I mean, you name it. Everybody makes mistakes. Our willingness to understand someone's fault or faults, help that person grow, whether you want them in your life or not, is why the human race has continued to evolve for thousands, millions, billions, hundreds, whatever time frame you want to use. That's why people get better. Mike, you and I, and we're not going to talk about the situation, but I will admit I made a mistake in our relationship. Did I not come to you and say, I apologize. I made a huge mistake. It took some growing between you and I. You had to you had to do one of two things. You had to either A, work with me as a coworker, keep me at arm's length and accept that, or B, understand that I made a mistake. It's not who I am as a person. I was willing to put in the work and grow, and you were willing to do that with me. And tell me, as you and I are talking over a year later, that our relationship isn't a million times better, right? It It is, and, and here's the thing. Um... You say you can forgive, but but don't forget is sort of a, a philosophy. At this point, I, I sort of it, it, until until it gets brought up, and I, usually it's not me bringing it up. There is kind of like a, a sort of I don't want to call it a running joke, but it does come up from time to time uh, yeah. with, with some of our production team. Um, um, I, yeah, I, I did forget it. I but just don't. forgot it. it, it, it fair, here, here's the enough, thing. But... I, it, it, there's an element of if you understand someone's character and, and so on. My, exactly. my thing, my thing is, is I'm an overwhelming believer in putting in the work to get a second chance. Yep. I am, it, but the thing is, is it's not a public display. You know, I, no, of course. I think a lot of people want a a large bout of public contrition, and there is an element of contrition that's needed to, to go along with the work that you do put in. But it's not about retweets, and it's not about, you know, it, 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 it's about a genuine change in mental philosophy of, of your understanding of a community, whether it be Black Lives Matter, whether it be uh, racial inequality, injustice, police brutality, so on. Take all the evidence for what it is and, and, and understand it and come to it with an open mind. View your fellow human being as what they, what they are, you know, who they are. You know, it, it, that, that's, that is so lost right now. I, I'm digging way deeper, and, you know, there is an element of I don't know that people have the right to know how I feel about every issue. Just because yeah. you and I yeah. work in a public 
forum. I'm not legislating morality. I'm I'm a sports announcer, Same. but I do feel very sort of. strongly about these <laughs> issues, and so I'm I I have tried very hard to both be publicly in support of issues I care about, while also recognizing that's very much not the lane that I'm paid, expected um, to be in. It's not the profession that I want to be in. The whole stick to sports thing, the, the, the thought process is, is I came here to announce the game. And while I care about the issues involved, and I have put my thumb on the scale, um, and I think these are human rights issues as much as anything else, um, as opposed to a politicized issue, man, I'm just trying to find the best way to present the game in front of me first, because that's that's what I was I was hired to do. That's what I want to do with my career. Um, these issues are are complex. And the forum needs to be there, but we need to continue to to develop that forum and find the best way to continue to advance that forum. Um, and I'm I'm uncomfortable talking about it in the in the but, grand scheme. By the way, but and I'm with you on that. And by the way, if I may step in, um, Minister Watts will be giving sermons this Sunday and every Sunday following up until after the USL Championship final. Should you like uh, to, should you like to attend, just DM him at, at Mike Watts on air. <laughs> yeah, sure. It, it, dude, it's it's hard, man. So uh, yeah. I think we've reached. I think we've reached this agreement throughout all of this. There are four teams left, which leaves three games, two conference finals, one USL championship final, one dream, and for you and I, a shit on a fucking beer and bourbon between now and then. No matter where we end up at. Any further thoughts, Michael Watts, also known as Mike Watts on air, also known a as hint. Mr. Watts. A hint on our sideline reporter for the final. Oh, give it to me. Yeah, give it to him. Give it to the, the football-loving maniac. It is an active professional player in the United States. That's the, that's what you're giving as a f***ing hint, bro? That's it. That's it. That's all I'm giving you. Okay. There you go. Maybe uh maybe he'll give you a little bit more when we head into the... It's a trail of breadcrumbs. Yeah, follow them. <laughs> follow them. Just don't eat a whole meal. Uh, football-loving maniacs, we love you. Enjoy this weekend. Again, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, ESPN Plus, Louisville City hosting the Tampa Bay Rowdies, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Phoenix Rising hosting El Paso Locomotive. Again, if you want to know what that is in another time zone, go f***ing look it up yourself. I'm Devin Kerr. That's Mike Watts. Say goodbye, Mike. Okay. Bye-bye.